you guys please welcome Bill as he comes up to share his story with us. Glasses over here. Can't have my Sorry, I won't be able to see you guys here in a minute. Okay. My name is Bill. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who's in recovery for compulsive overeating of sugar and anger. I have been celebrating sobriety for gambling and lying for the past 43 months. Okay, let us, let us go ahead and pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, this is uh, just for glory for you, what you've done in my life. Um, I was a broken man before I came to recovery and just let my testimony uh, help someone else out there. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. I was born in Santa Clara, California in 1965, and this is my story. My family was middle class, and I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother and a sister. I had a crazy childhood with a dysfunctional family. My father was an alcoholic, and my mom was a homemaker. Mom held the family together when dad was off on his drinking spats. Dad was a genius, very smart, but he had a problem with anger and drinking. I endured physical and emotional abuse from my dad. It was normal to have a lot of verbal abuse from my dad in our house. I would try and please him the best I could, but keep in my room and the yard done uh, so it wouldn't set him off. He would instill fear into me through his verbal abuse. I could never please him. I was told at a very young age I was worthless and would never be good in life. He would go into rages and get very abusive towards me. He even set our toys on fire once. The reason for this was me and my sibling got into the Easter eggs two days prior to Easter. Me and my sibling decided to play war with our G.I. Joe figurines and use the eggs as hand grenades. Our closet was very long, so I was on one end and he was on the other end. Our parents heard all the noise and found us covered in eggs, as well as our clothes and all our toys. Oh, did I mention the eggs were not boiled yet? <laughs> so you can imagine the mess we created for our parents. My father said, clean this up or else. The, ra the rage and anger I received that night scared the six-year-old I was. I began to clean up the mess. My sibling, on the other hand, who was 13 months younger than me, was very stubborn and refused to help. This is how our toys got set on fire. My father collected them all, went out back, and burned them all. I was betrayed by my father, someone I should have been able to trust. So at a very young age, I learned that people who were supposed to love and care for you will hurt you. I began to live in fear, and I began to hide my emotions from others by stuffing my feelings inside and sneaking sweets whenever I can. Whenever I began to get emotional, I would turn to eating sweets. Growing up, I didn't have any friends, 
And once in junior high school, I met a couple of kids who would later break my, my heart by talking about me behind my back. I became very lonely and was hurting inside from the rejection I got at school and at home. My father told his kids his dad was never around and, and when he became a father, he didn't want us kids not to have a father around. At first, my childhood was good. He took me to church, took me fishing, we went camping. Life was good when he wasn't drinking. But not before long, my life would be turned upside down with the anger and rages and drinking. I thought, this is how every family in America must live their life. When I was 12, my father took us to church where his friends went. At the time, my parents were looking for a place to live and my father's friends had a place for us to stay. It turned out to be a religious hippie commune in Morgan Hill, California. We lived there for three months. My father decided to move us all to Oregon to have a new start and new better life. But after six months, my new life started looking just like my old life back in California. The drinking, the verbal abuse, the rages, the whipping I endured as a 12 and a half year old. He would tell me to pick a switch off the willow tree out in the front yard and it better not break or you'll go out and get another one. So eventually mom moved us kids back to California where we started staying in a bowling alley in Gilroy where my mom got a job. We lived there for a while. In 1978, I started going to a Baptist church and turned my life forward to God. Eventually I got baptized and I had just turned 13. A few years went on and eventually I would be off doing my own thing and not living for God. In high school, lying became my new tool of choice. I was, bu I was bu um, bullied, shamed, and humil humiliated. This was masked by my sweets and lying. I began to steal from my parents. I got a high and a rush out of it from the money that I was able to get from the checks I wrote for goods and cash back. Soon this would catch up to me when my father had me arrested. He worked for the city we lived in and knew all the officers. He made a deal with them to send me to juvenile hall for one night to teach me a lesson, and it did. I had to pay the money back to my parents for the checks I wrote using their bank account. When I was 21, mom took me to the casino for my birthday. I thought, wow, that was fun. I tried drinking and drugs, but I really didn't like the effect it had on my body. The casino had a big effect on my life. At first, it was just a fun place to go, and eventually it became my addiction. When California started selling lottery tickets, I started doing them too. I would lie, cheat, steal from my family and friends to get the money for my fix. I couldn't hold down jobs for very long due to the late night casino trips. Sometimes I wouldn't even show up at all. Eventually, I found a job, held it for 14 years until I had a work-related work injury, which I hurt my back. My life was a mess not working. I started hanging out with one of my cousins, and he, took me, no, he hooked me up with his girlfriend's friend. I moved in with her, 
until she developed cancer. I moved out because I couldn't handle it. Eventually, after living on the streets for six months, I decided to go back to her. But I found out from her family that she she had passed away. My world was collapsing all around me. I became depressed and became a full-fledged gambler. I would go to different casinos in California and Nevada, sign up for the free rewards I got and food to gamble on. Many years flew by and eventually I would meet a beautiful woman. We had a lot in common and after a little while we got married. She didn't know about my past life experiences with gambling addiction. We did go to the casino once together. We stayed the night, but I was able to control my urges to gamble. It was tough, but I was able to do it. I would have felt fear, loneliness, and rejection if my wife knew I had a gambling and lying addiction. When we first got married, I was finishing online school and babysitting my stepdaughter. I got a sales job, and I wasn't making any money. So I turned to gambling, and eventually I was losing more than I was making. So when I was supposed to be out working, I was going to the casinos looking for the easy money. So my gambling started to get out of control and all of a sudden my world was crumbling around me. My wife knew nothing about my addiction. She was about to find out because I maxed out her credit cards and took out personal loans to fuel my gambling addiction. I started eating more sugary foods and my weight was going up fast, like really fast. I began to panic and hide the bank statements from my wife. I switched the statements to online so only I had access to them and hid and cover up my debt, stealing and gambling. By the time my wife found out, we had to file bankruptcy. I ruined her credit and she insisted I see a counselor. Luke 12, two and three, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the house housetops. Even going to church and seeing a counselor, I continued to gamble and lie. My addiction got worse until I was looking at going to jail for a dishonest thing I did at work. I told a lie to cover up a lie. I thought about suicide as a way to get out of the trouble caused by my gambling and lying. I never told my wife or my family how I felt. I was living with so much pain and didn't know how I could tell anyone without being caught my lies that were catching up to me. We had been going to church all along, but it wasn't until my wife found out about my addiction that God ended back up in my life. I had been going to a counselor, but didn't tell her or my wife about my gambling or lying. When I got fired from my job and was facing jail for fraud I had committed at work, my brother helped me tell my wife about my gambling addiction. 
When she found out, she threatened to leave me if I didn't go to a place called Celebrate Recovery. I showed up on a Tuesday night. It was November 21st, 2017. It was the day before my 52nd birthday. I haven't missed one night yet at CR, even when my current employer's employee, employer sent me back east to our company's home office for one week's work, work trip. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I went back east to Walmart's home office because I had signed up for a 21-day challenge to change the way I eat. That 21-day challenge ended up being a total of seven different 21-day challenges, doing them one day at a time. I had lost 101 pounds in 11 months, and there was a story written about me and my weight loss journey. I won my health back and got off a lot of medications. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it in the glory of God. When I was gone, I couldn't find a meeting, so I watched a large group on my phone, and then I called a brother to check in and talk about the focus question of the night. Step one, I admitted I was powerless over my gambling, that my life had become unmanageable. That was the turning point in my life. Daily, I ask God to help me with my character defects. My number one defect is shyness, which God loves uh, me, and he's helping me get over it here tonight. <laughs> Psalms 42.8. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. This is how I live my life. I take it one day at a time now. I can't think about, I can't think ahead because it will mess up my life with the stress over the future. The past is what it is, it's the past. I don't stress about or think about it anymore. I live for the day I'm in. Sometimes I live hour by hour or minute by minute. Keep coming back because it works if you worked it because you worked it. Daily I pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray to God daily, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. And I always end with the serenity prayer. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old creation passes away. Behold, new things have come. Because 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God's grace saved me on, saved me, and in 2019 here at CR, I washed the old me away when I got rebaptized again, and now because of this, I'm a child of God, a new creation. Step three says we make a decision to turn our wills and life over to the care of God. Romans 12, 1. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is my favorite step, my turning point to, to recovery and my lifelong journey with God. The new me has completed two-step studies before coming to celebrate recovery. I had no true friends. All my life I had female friends, but no male friends. Now in CR, I have brothers, all you guys. I'm no longer alone. I have a great support group because we all know too well isolation is a dangerous thing to have in one's life. I have several people who are my accountability partners, and I have an amazing sponsor who's there to support me on my recovery lifelong journey. Thank you, Scott. John 3.21 in the Amplified Version says, But whoever practices truth and does what is right morally, ethically, and spiritually comes to the light, so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, accomplishing God, divinely prompted, done with God's help and dependence on him. I was asked once by someone after a small group if I ever had a least likely step of the 12 steps. At first I said no, but then thought about it for a second and said, yes, I do. Uh, step nine, because when I was giving my amends to the ones I had harmed, I couldn't give one amends because it was written for my father who had passed away many, many years before I knew anything about celebrate recovery. So on June 7th, 2020, I drove out to the San Joaquin Valley National Cemetery, found my father's gravestone, stood there and read my amends to my father. I felt this peace as I read him my amends. I felt calmer and relaxed. I felt this heavy weight lift off my shoulders. All the regrets I had towards him was gone. At the end, I said, I love you, Dad, and can forgive you. It's a lifelong journey. It only works if you take it one moment at a time, doing it one day at a time. I've also been, on, been working on other addictions. Favorite one. On July 5th, 2020, which was last year, I quit smoking after 35 years. <laughs> Keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it because you're worth it. God has placed me in a wonderful church. My marriage is strong and wonderful, and my life has changed more than I can share with you all tonight. God's kingdom is what I live for uh, daily. I was told by someone at church that they see me becoming a fisher of men, Matthew 4:19 in the New Living Translation says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. 
I'm going to ministry school because I want to help people and become a minister with my wife. And we all, and we already have a ministry helping all different types of children and in return, uh, CR is in their lives too. To the newcomer, I just hope my story helps you in some way. If God can deliver me from my addictions, he can deliver you from yours. You made the first step by coming here tonight, so keep coming back. There is no perfect people here. We all have addictions. We have one, and we have many addictions. When I first came and sat there and heard the message for the night, I thought, wow, what mess that people there is. I don't think I, this was the place for me, but my, my wife insisted it was. <laughs> I thought, I, I thought, yeah, I have issues, but not like these people I heard. <laughs> It wasn't until my first month at small group where my healing really began. Remember, my shyness was my number one character defect, so I was really shy. I now have a life without guilt and shame, and it's all because of the love of my Father God in heaven who knows me. For every chance I get, I tell others about Celebrate Recovery and how it changed my life for the good. It's a life-changing experience. Step 12, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all of our affairs. Today, I serve and give back by being one of my facilitators in my group and co-facilitate a step study. Also, for the past six months, I have helped serve at my church as a greeter on Sunday mornings. I want to thank my sponsor, Scott, for pushing me to complete my testimony to share with you all tonight. I want to thank my wife, my best friend, Chrissy, for seeing the good in me that I couldn't see at that time in my life. Thank you all for letting me share tonight. Let's hear it one more time for Bill. Hats off to you. Thank you, Bill. You can go ahead and head on back down. You can go back down. Hey, um, great part of your story that I loved is the fact that it was 21-day challenges, but it was really the one day at a time working the program every single day. It's one day at a time. Don't forget that. Another key point, man, he's, he was hitting meetings. Meetings, 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 meetings. So... I just encourage you guys with that. If you guys feel comfortable and would like to, hold the hand of the person next to you. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to, but hold the hand of the person next to you. And this is a symbol of the fact that we, are, we do not do this alone. And, uh, right, it's not a program of being alone. It's about working the program together. Let's close our time with a serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. 
the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen. First-time guests, we'd like to invite you to our first-time guest group that's right across the hallway to my left, your right. Second-time guests, right up front. And uh, the land-